Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Um, tell me why, can you guys give me a Pamela and Diana, I can see your faces closest right now because you guys were just talking. We didn't talk about the, um, earring story last week, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't go into that last Mm -hmm. week. Okay. So we'll touch on that. I mean, I feel like the, the earring story kind of goes through love languages. So love languages and attachment styles might be too big to cover both in one day, but we'll see how far along we get. So I wrote this story into the book kind of at the nudging of my best friend, Danae, as well as John, because it was something that obviously happened in real life, right? And I didn't realize at the time of it happening years back how kind of not like big of a deal it was, but more just like what an aha moment it really was in our relationship until kind of really sitting with and, and thinking about it, right? So, you know, look, as a therapist, and you almost everybody here I'm sure knows love languages right it's kind of become very like common vernacular um and we talk about Gary Chapman's book in the book and how it actually isn't research-based like he really just pulled this and and created this theory out of his own work as a he's actually a Christian marriage counselor um and but it's become kind of like the book that all therapists that work with couples have on their shelf right and I like to call it and John doesn't necessarily feel the same, but I really like to look at the love languages as what I call like it's like the cliff notes for needs right it's like it, it's it's a really good succinct kind of tangible language way of saying here are my needs right, this is how I need to feel loved, this is the, the need that I have to give love right, so that's kind of the way that I describe it to clients that maybe have never heard of it or when i'm telling them how important it is that they they read it right yeah and let's give um, everyone uh, just a brief view of what the love languages are. Love languages are how we give and receive love, according to uh, Gary Chapman, I believe mm-hmm, is Gary the person. Chapman. And so there's um, acts of service right yeah. that's Vanessa's love language. Well, but you can also have primary, secondary, and how you give and receive can be different, right? Which is why we list like the actual quiz in the book. There's um, there's acts of service, words of affirmation, mm-hmm. right? That's one of mine. Um, touch. There, there's touch, which is also mine. Mm-hmm. There's uh, quality time, quality time, and then there's gifts. Um, gifts. So you you could you could obviously have um, a few of them, mm-hmm. but we all have kind of like a, a primary one. Mm-hmm. And what's really important is you you have to know how your partner um gives and receives love because if you don't you may mistake um something they're that they're doing as that they're not loving you or they're not into you and that that may not the case uh so this is the story actually is a real life story that happened um that i think is very telling when Mm -hmm. it comes to how important love languages are right well, and also I think what's important about the love language is that a lot of people don't realize unless you've really read the book and not just kind of done the quiz is that he wrote this book originally, not just so that you knew your own, but it was actually more about you kind of, um, you know, taking ownership of knowing what your partner's love language is so that you can speak to them in their love language, right? Like he felt it was very important for somebody in a partnership to know and be able to give, not necessarily so that you knew in, in the receiving end. So, yeah, and you know, I want to say that uh, in the book, um, Vanessa and I, when we first met, it was very bumpy 
right? Uh, it kind of almost felt like a mismatch. And part of that is because we speak uh, different love languages. And so if we didn't know that and mm -hmm. wasn't aware of it, mm -hmm. we, we would just be kind of disconnecting. Missing and, each other, right? And then eventually we'd be like, oh, we're not really meant to be, right? So right. I like to give and receive love through um, words, right? Uh, writing poems on the back of, you know, your lunch, and slipping notes into your purse and all, you know, all of that, you know, and then also vice versa. I like receiving, um, uh, uh, you know, compliments and, you know, dirty talk and anything audible, right? Word, words wise. And then, and then my love language is also touch, right? Vanessa is acts of service. She could give two shits about like me saying that she's sexy. Doesn't, you know, I, the, the joke is like, I would write her name in the sky and she would say, how much did you pay for that? Right. <laughs> And, He's not uh, wrong. I probably would say that. What did that cost you, John? <laughs> but read it. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, um, but like if I go get the car washed or if I do something right. where it makes her life easier to her, that is what loving looks like. To me, that's like nothing, right? Now, I have to tell you too, <clears throat> I, don't, I can't cite this. So if anybody knows where this came from, please tell me. But I heard recently that because love languages did become so popular, they've obviously been doing a little bit more research on it because I think a lot of people want to like give a clinical backing to what Chapman kind of talked about and discovered. And somebody said recently that what they're starting to decide or figure out is that <clears throat> how you receive love is directly related to what you didn't get in childhood, mm, that's which I think is super fascinating, right? Either what you didn't get, or maybe like, um, so if mine is acts of service, I was, I was given worth and value by doing, right? Mm. That is how I was told that I was like a good kid was like, how much was I functioning for my mom? How much was I taking care of the house? How much was I doing, right? Succeeding school, perfectionism, all that stuff. And so when you when you link it back, it's like, oh, it makes sense now that I now receive love through acts of service, right? And also give it that way. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm sure you could do a little bit of work around this idea, like if it's words, like what, how is that connected to your to your childhood, right? Like what didn't you get that maybe, you know, your soul needed as a little one? Um, and so now in an adult partnership, you're actually attempting to get that need met that way. I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. We, we have to answer Lainey because she not only has a yellow hand up, but she also has her own, she has two hands up, one's digital, and one's real and also Lainey drove her ass all the way down to see us in person in LA <laughs> it seems very uh Lainey go ahead <clears throat> a quick question about um acts of service how can I distinguish acts of service uh from mothering like how can I distinguish that difference to speak in my language um well you mean you doing like you right. in the act of service yeah um when, when is it mothering right is so really I think that's a fine line and if if you tend to be the person like I am, right, who kind of tips into that mothering kind of quality, then you need to ask. Because it's really not about what you think is mothering and what's not mothering. It's about what your partner thinks mm -hmm. is mothering. So you could be in your head going, yeah, but I'm doing all these wonderful things for him because I'm acts of service and I'm showing my love. But if your partner is saying, get off my back, you're mothering, then that's when you need to pay attention to it and step back and say, okay. You know, it's not being received maybe in the way that I'm attempting to give it. And so if we're thinking about how Gary Chapman wrote the book, it's all about how your partner receives it. Then your ownership is to step back and say, okay, he's not receiving it in the way that I'm attempting to give it. So maybe I need to like check in and do a little thinking about what it is that I'm trying to give, right? Or how, or how it's presenting itself in behavior. That would be my kind of thinking around that. Yeah. I also want to just applaud you for, um, 
wanting to question it, right? not be your partner's mom, <clears throat> yeah. you know, questioning it. Uh, and so I would express that to your partner and say, Hey, if well, I'm sitting right there, yeah. Oh, there, yeah. <laughs> I see a shoulder. There he is. Yeah. But she, she's not letting him into the frame because she's mothering him. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> no. If, if she says to him, Hey, listen, call me out when I, when you mm -hmm. feel like I'm being your mom, mm -hmm. I think that's, that, that's great. Right. And then he has to do it in an obviously kind way. Yeah. He's not going to be like quit being my yeah. fucking mom. And, but you know. we have that dialogue. Like yeah, we'll do that a lot when I get right. when I get a little turned up yeah. in that, especially when I'm yeah. stressed out and I'm kind of in my head and I start yeah. to be very mothering. He will call me out, and it's hard to hear, but it's important for me. When she gets down and ties my shoe, I say, Vanessa, I'm 49 years old. <laughs> Let me tie my own shoe. Anyway, but that's great. Thanks, Elsha. In the car, you're not driving. Alicia, no, I'm not driving. I'm stopped to get the mail. Okay, good. But um. I had a very interesting thought when I was reading this part. Um, I believe I used to be words of affirmation, mm -hmm. but after, as everything went down in my marriage and there was a lot of lying and he would say things, but not follow through. Mm -hmm. I really grew to distrust words now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I now am more the acts of service. I want the person to show up because I don't trust the words anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And yet I wonder too, like if you were with somebody who did both, like I wonder if you were with somebody who followed through, I wonder how much words would start to maybe resurface again as things that you really appreciated once you felt like you could trust them more. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting idea. I will keep you posted if I ever find such a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know, Alicia. Okay. All right. So the eerie story, here we go. Okay. So for those of you who read the book, you've heard the story, but I'll kind of tell it quickly, right? So I'm getting ready for clients, right? I've got like 10 minutes left to go. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And as I'm getting ready, I drop my earring down the sink, right? And it's an earring that I love. And I mean, no joke, I'm literally like a child. I'm like stomping my feet being like, fuck, 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 because I'm like so late, right? We've all been there. <laughs> and he comes up the stairs like thinking, you know, something happened, like I hurt myself. And I'm like, we only had one bathroom in this apartment at the time. I'm like, don't use the sink. I cover it with a towel. I'll handle it later. I don't have time. I kind of huff out, right? I'm like running to my clients. So I had four clients back to back, right? So at that point, we're talking four hours later, I kind of reemerge. And when I do, the earring is sitting on the sink, right? And there's no trace of anything that's been gone through to get to the actual earring, right? So come to find out, he had gone to the hardware store, gotten the specific kind of wrench, come back, undone it, found it. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys, John, God bless you, John. He doesn't know how to swing a hammer. Okay. This is not his like usual MO. Okay. He's good with the words. So that made it actually kind of even more of a big deal because you did this thing that was almost like out of your comfort zone. Right. Which is partly, I think why it resonated so much with me. Um, and again, it was like, he cleaned it up for me. Like he didn't, I didn't have to oversee it mother, right. Lainey, I didn't have to like, make sure it was done the right way. None of that. It was just done. And I remember at the time just being like, thank you. And then kind of going off and doing the rest of my day. Real quick. So um, I just did it uh, not to get points or to, um, um, I, I, I wasn't even thinking, I just felt like, oh, it's one less, one thing I need to go do, like the dishes or, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't thinking, oh, here's an opportunity mm -hmm. to uh, speak Vanessa's love language. Um, Cause I didn't, wasn't really aware. I, mm -hmm. I, I just happened to do it because it, it was just like, oh, her, she lost her earring. I've got some time. Let me go try to fetch it. Which was great because it wasn't for brownie points, which, you know, right. we can sometimes feel what it is. So <clears throat> the, the thing about that story that was so profound and the reason why I ended up in the book is not only because it 
the way that it happened, but it was more about the fact that we come to talk about it later. I never talked to him about this. I never told him yeah. how amazing it felt. I went off and told all my friends and actually told my therapist about it and was so like, oh my God, I can't believe how amazing this dumb little thing made me feel. And I like gushed about it. He came to find out, come to find out like a month later. But here's what's interesting. So I'm words of affirmation. So she's right. telling her friends, oh, that was amazing or whatever, but she's not telling me. Right. And so that was the like, aha, right? I didn't get the credit for it. The aha was had I would, but the words are really hard for me, yes. right? I struggle with words of affirmation. And so I think what it was is like, oh, there was a realization that I put in the book of like, words of affirmation don't actually have to be writing in the sky. I could have just really looked him in the face and said, I, I want you to know how much that meant to me. The fact that you did that, you saw that I needed it, you took care of it, I didn't need to be involved, you handled it for me, that made me feel amazing. That would have actually been an opportunity for me to give him words. And yet I missed it because I, I just I didn't even think about it like that, right? And I've realized actually recently, not just in romantic partnership, but this something similar happened with my best friend recently, where her and I had gotten into, it wasn't a fight, I had all this buildup and I finally brought it to her and I discussed something with her. And I was all like worried and nervous it was gonna turn into a conflict because I'm very conflict averse. And she ended up just saying to me, Vanessa, you can say what it is you need to say, you're still gonna be my best friend. And I remember being like, and just like sobbing on the phone with her and having this realization of like, I don't think anybody's ever said something like that to me before. Like, just say it, be you, like, let's have an honest conversation. I'm not gonna like change how I feel about you. And so I was telling the lab that when I teach, I was telling people about this story and she was sitting in the room and she started crying and she's like, you never told me how much that, me that meant to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so apparently <laughs> one of the things I need to work on is giving the person the verbal affirmation of like, you made me feel really seen, really loved, really heard, really whatever, right? Because I'm missing an opportunity because words are hard for me to connect with word people in the moment. It could be so easy, right? If I just gave them that in the moment. And then I think for John, it was a real aha, right? When you were like, oh, that's what it means when we say acts of service. What it means is it doesn't have to be some grand gesture. It could be something like, oh, let me just go handle this for her because she's got four clients, right? And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Well, big deal, air quotes. Um, so we love that story just because I think it's very relatable. I think for me, it was a real aha. I think for you, it was a real aha. Um, but yeah, so that's the I found your earring story. Yeah, and so uh, the action piece is what what is your um, love language, right? Or, you know, if you have two or, or what's your most... Um, the one that you really put a lot of weight on. And also, what is your partner's love language? Yeah, if you know, and if you've had any kind of experiences like we had where it was like, a, oh shit, like click, you know? I'd be curious. I also wanna talk about what Lauren just put in the, the chat too, because I think that's a really interesting conversation. Um, the dancing with your partner means to, uh, it, I don't think it means to change yourself, but it does mean to take your partner, how your partner uh, uh, gives and receives love into consideration. Mm -hmm. So now that I know after finding her earring that that meant a lot to her, um, if there's an opportunity like that, that I know that she would appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't know that, tons of those everyday type of moments can go by and I would never, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be oblivious. Right, it. and here's what I think is really important and then I wanna get some people to have their hands up. Um, what is so hard about love languages 
is that for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, when our partner receives love in a way that's very uncomfortable for us to give it, right? So words for me, it is a constant personal challenge for me. It does not come easy, even four and a half years in, it does not, it still does not come easy, okay? But it's important for me to challenge myself to do it if I want my partner to feel loved. And of course, I want my partner to feel loved, right? So something I said at the little live event that we did, and again, John never knew this because I didn't tell him, I'm learning, I'm learning, um, is that I actually have a reminder in my phone that mm. goes off twice a week that literally just says John words. And it is not romantic, but it is the way that somebody like me needs to remind myself, check in. Have you told him verbally? Have you given him the affirmation that you know he really needs? And if you haven't, you need to go and do that thing, right? It's interesting. I think your reminder is off because in the last four days, I have not heard anything. Um, but I do appreciate her putting that into her phone. It must be broken. It must be broken. We're not, not, not getting them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lauren, Lauren, your hands up. By the way, we're just using first names because that's yeah. real. Lauren, go ahead. Okay, so the part that you said, um, Vanessa, about love language tied to your childhood mm. is so interesting to me. So I'm a child of, I guess, collectively three divorces, mm. um, the two sides. So I have a lot of parental and family dynamics going on. So I've had a hard time singling out like one particular love language. I feel mm. like mostly physical touch and quality time. And it really resonated with me because my dad is like zero affection. He's like, I put your roof over your head. That's all you right. needed to do. And then as a result of, I mean, they got divorced when I was 11 months old and we lived in my, my mom's best friend's basement for a while. And she, you know, kind of struggled to make ends meet. So she worked two jobs. Quality time. So I had no quality time. Even to this day, she works too much. And I don't, I don't always get the quality time. Yeah. Um, but then I dabble a little bit of have acts of service, but I feel like I also, that's how I show love because mm -hmm. I, I was an adult from age 10 of doing all the laundry and the chores and stuff around the house. So there's like a lot going on now. My, my significant other, um, he doesn't really like subscribe to these things. He doesn't, he thinks he's so unique that like attachment styles and don't pertain to him. <laughs> and love language. He thinks he's so unique. And I was like, you are so textbook. It's ridiculous. But I, I from what I can gather, his is physical touch. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the I want to say it was in the book you talked about. Um, one example, if quality time is important to you, that someone being on their phone all the time. And he does that all the time. It drives me insane. And I could not figure out why. So I was really glad I read that because I was like, oh, that's oh, why it bothers me so much. Cause it doesn't seem like a huge deal. Everyone's on their phone all the time, but it's, even though you're present with me, you're not you have the language. Now you have the language to say, here's what I realized. Like I thought it was just me, mm -hmm. which is why I was trying to stuff it down. But now I'm realizing there's a connection and here's why. And this is the thing about the, the love languages that I love is that once you really go, Oh, aha, there's an opportunity to have such a deeper, more mm -hmm. vulnerable conversation around. Let me explain to you why quality time is important to me. Let me explain to you a little bit about my childhood, my upbringing, what I did not receive, how I like to receive it, why I like, right? This is such an amazing opportunity to, to connect more deeply. Um, and it's it's provided you with that, right? Lauren, you had a question, now you're leading with homework. Uh, That's what we do. Just, just telling your boyfriend to get off his phone, I think is, um, it's not as uh, productive. Right. 
and right. not as uh, challenging than you saying, hey, here's my revelation mm -hmm. and why that bothers me so much. Um, because in that space, you have to be vulnerable. And then there's such an opportunity to connect. Now, how he responds to that is going to be very telling. It's information. Well, worst, if case, he... I'll just, worst case, I'll just tell him John Kim said so, because I bought him your book for his birthday. Oh. And we were not boyfriend and girlfriend and have since giving him your, your book actually like made him cry and like Hmm. Yeah, I gave him a. Yeah, I used to be a miserable fuck. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think it's a great. I think I, I agree with what Vanessa says because I think she's just putting on her therapy hat right now. It's a great opportunity for you to um, share this revelation, and I mm -hmm. think by doing so, um, there's an, a great opportunity for both of you guys to connect and be vulnerable, using the content as a doorway into getting to know each other better. Yeah. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. So if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to. Yeah. Thank you for that, Lauren. Yeah, and leave my name out of it. <laughs> Can we go to Darrell? Oh, unmute. Okay, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> um, we had a really interesting, I think it was last weekend, uh, opportunity to recognize that even with the same um, love language style that we define that differently. Yes. Mm. We had an evening, we were sitting, like we do many evenings on the couch, watching some TV, having dinner, um, not really interacting much. And I got a phone call from my best childhood friend I was on the phone with her forever. And then another call came in during that call. And so I was on the phone for like two and a half hours mm -hmm. and I came downstairs and, and Peter was sort of pouty. He was like, yeah. well, you know, I thought we were yeah, like me. And I was like, <laughs> like from my perspective, that is not quality time. Like right. that, that is not the definition at all. I didn't think we were doing anything together, but I checked out on something that felt important to him. Yeah. So that was a big revelation for me that even then we have to talk about what that particular style means to us yeah. and how it's expressed. For me, it's talking. It's it's really interacting. For Peter, it's we're here together. Yeah, side well, by and side. I, I didn't necessarily, you know, again, I didn't care that necessarily that you were on the phone for two and a half hours. You just sort of got up and left and like, I'm mm, yeah. wondering- are you coming back or like, like, right. what, like if you said, Hey, I, you know, this is going on and this is going on. I would have been, okay, cool. All right. I'll figure right. it out. But I'm just sitting and as far there. As I'm, like, concerned, I'm like, we're staring at the TV. It doesn't matter whether I'm here or not. Right. Right. Interesting. What I'm doing. right? I, I, I love how this is such an everyday example, right? Cause mm -hmm. it's these kind of moments. Um, yep. That, that everyone has yeah and i also love that both of you guys are here mm -hmm. showing up in this That's amazing. <laughs> agreed so wait question how did it go from uh him pouting to you guys having a conversation about this well i no i said i, I wish i wish you're a fighter now. That, that that you had you know that what but, was going on because but i think it was after last monday's um yeah, book club yeah. which was our first by the way yeah. where mm. it just got me I had all sorts of things pinging around in my head. And shortly after I was like, wow. Yep. So I came to him the next morning and said, this is a really cool opportunity for us to realize that even if we say it's quality time, that's important to both of us. We see that so differently yeah. that it's a really good opportunity for us to sort yeah. of ourselves start defining it and let each other know. Like I, I said think to him, we, 
I would say we're similar, even yeah. like in quality time, like our definition of it is different. I'm like you, I'm like, we like engaging and talking and deep conversation over mostly over good food. Cause I'm a Taurus and I like all the good food and all the good wine. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's, he's like, that does not, it's not that he doesn't want to talk and do that, but that's just registers differently for him. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's an opportunity to say, okay, even within these categories, what's important to you, what's important to me, what are going to be our, I don't know, little code words or code sayings when like you you're kind of going off the rails and I can feel it or vice versa. And I can feel it. Right. right. Um, and being able to try to set guardrails almost around that before it spins out into right. something that could potentially be big. And, yeah. And to me, it was, it was a sense of, you know, I said, if that's important to you, I, I certainly want to make sure that I am present there knowing that that's how it looks for you when it's important. But I also want to make sure that we understand how that looks for me. And we make sure that because it's really easy to just passively sit there in a way that's meaningful for right. him. Right. And it's hard for me to say, I actually need that to look different once More in a while. Engagement. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank that. you for sharing. So awesome. And uh, Darrell, if this helps, Vanessa has not only, you know, been on the phone for two hours, but also has left the city without me knowing. Oh, Please. Are you coming back? What's going on? I mean, on? sometimes I wish. This? I have a toddler. There's many times where I'm like, I wish I could just out. out. Peace out. <laughs> is, it, is it Ray? Peter. Ray, and then Jackie. Sorry. Um, I just have a question. I don't really know where this question is going or really what I'm trying to say, but um, I was just wondering, like, how much, obviously, love languages are important um, and and to understand that, but then, like, if how much weight should sort of be put on love languages and then does it really matter like if you know the other person's love language or how they want to how they give and receive mm -hmm. love um is that i don't want to be like is that enough but like do two people need to be um like have a growth mindset or want to grow in the relationship or it's just sort of if one person's just like doesn't really isn't that reflective or whatever does do you kind of understand what i'm trying to say here's what i'm gonna say i think it's a soup i look at it like a soup right so i we actually just met up with um an what old, do you mean by that let soup? me let me explain so we just met up with an old professor of mine for lunch a little while ago that i haven't seen since before COVID, and she was asking me like give me the synopsis of what your book is about and i said well we cover all of the top topics that we not only have discussed together as a couple, but also have witnessed as couples therapists, right? And we can't go too deep into any of them because it's almost like a top level of like, let's say the top 10 issues, right? I look at all of those as a soup that makes the relationship. So love languages is, is the celery, right? But attachment styles and understanding that is the carrots. And, you know, the the mothering, nagging kind of over functioning, under functioning dance might be the potatoes, right? Like each of these, I think that's the way I look at it, is like an equal component into what makes a solid relationship. It sounds I, more like a stew, not so much a soup. And nitpicking what people say that might be the basil, for example. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't, I wouldn't say like, it's the end all be all. Yeah. I would say it's important. And so are all the other things that we talk about. Yeah, I think it's important to know, right? Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's like, how much weight do you put on it? It's not, you don't put so much weight on mm -hmm. it that it's like, we become robots, right? Because right. it's, it's, we're a lot more than love languages, right? right. It's one book, it's one concept. Um, I think it's interesting. I really do. I wish yeah. I wrote the book, but it's not, um, it doesn't, the whole relationship doesn't hang on that. Yeah. But I would say too, like, it, but it, it's almost like 
from what we've seen and why we say that these are the the big, biggest challenges that we've seen as, as couples therapists is that they tend to come in like these peaks where it's like, okay, this is the fight that's happening. And we're like, oh, this big thing that you guys are dealing with seems like it's around love languages, right? But in that moment, maybe the other stuff feels okay and is not really being activated and triggered. So yeah, right now that is the important peak that we're looking at. But maybe in a few months, the important thing that we're working with is like how your attachment styles activate each other, you know? So I do think it almost comes in these kind of waves where maybe that is the, the biggest kind of glaring thing to look at. It doesn't mean that the rest of it goes away. It's just like, okay, that's that's what's presenting itself right now. Is that helpful? Um, yeah, that makes sense. I would, cause I was just thinking like, if I was with, um, somebody I'm currently not, but I don't know if it would have, if they are not in sort of a growth oriented mindset or wanting to sort of grow together or be, um, self-reflective and they still did show me love in the way that I, mm-hmm. that I liked it. I don't know if I would, if that would still agree right. with me. Right. I, right. I think you're right. But you know what? If you have a growth mindset, then you would say, okay, that's your love language. This is mine. I will do more uh, to step, stretch and, and grow um, to meet you there. If you have a fixed mindset, you say, this is how I love, yeah. period. Yeah. Either love me this way or leave, right? right. So it's And, and as a growth mindset too, you're also aware of like, this is how much I'm going to do, but I'm not going to do more than my 50%. Right. And if I'm with somebody where I'm continually doing more than my 50%, then I have to question the partnership. Right. Jackie. Yeah. Thank you. Matt. Yeah. Thank right. you. Hi. Thanks. So the first thing I want to say is Alicia, when you were talking about how like acts of service did not feel like your love language, but then you were in that relationship with your ex-husband, I had the identical experience <laughs> where I never would have said that acts of service was my love language, but that became what became like the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flip side of that was I, so because he was, I, I felt like I was so neglected in the relationship and he wasn't listening to me. I became very angry human. Um, do not want to be her again. Mm-hmm. And I started to use um, my language in a very volatile, very mm-hmm. like harmful way. Give us, an, but, give us an example. Cause that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if he would, for example, this was a big one, take out the garbage and not replace the garbage bag. Mm-hmm. Um, when he would come home from work, I would just start yelling at him. Like, I don't understand why you did this again. I ask you every week, don't even take out the garbage. If you're not going to put the garbage bag back, the mm-hmm. words became very biting and yes. like, what would have been a love language actually became your weapon. So yes, then mm-hmm. fast forward to sitting in couples therapy. I realized that words of affirmation is his love language. And every time I said something biting like that to him, it tore him down yeah. way more than it was ever intended to do. Yeah. It was only intended for me to have this pressure valve release because I felt like I was going crazy. Yeah. And I felt, I still feel so bad about it. Yeah. Um, well, but- he's here in this room if you want to talk to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I don't think so. I also gave him your book. He did not read it. So I took it and gave it to my brother. <laughs> Well, but look, I mean, like any of this stuff, right, that was a huge lesson in that experience that you now have a lot to work with and a lot to uncover and a lot to play around with. Right. And and a lot to kind of move into your next dynamic with. Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, about 10 minutes. Um, I want to tackle attachment styles really quick in 10 minutes. Yeah, because because the the way that we approach attachment styles in this book isn't um, 
it's more simplified, right? Yeah, I mean, because yeah. there are many attachment styles. I mean, it's a whole theory, right? You can only yeah. talk in like a 10 page chapter. So love languages <laughs> are, it's its own book. Attachment yeah. styles is its own book, right? It's own theory. It's yeah. own theory. Uh, there's a book called Attach. And, and yeah, um, that's a very basic one. the one that really resonates with us is avoidant, anxious, and insecure. Secure is what everyone's trying to swim toward. Yeah. So Vanessa's avoidant. Well, I, I'm ancient. Can I can I put a little precursor on that? I almost said I'm ancient. And I heard you. <laughs> you did say I'm ancient, but I was going to let it slide. <laughs> um, so many of you probably know this, right? But for those of you who don't, so attachment styles are not fixed, right? The, the newer research is showing that it is much more of a spectrum. And we actually can at, fall into different attachment styles based on the relationship that we're currently in. So it doesn't have to be just romantic. Certain people trigger different responses in us, right? So we might find ourselves, let's say, in our parental dynamic, acting from more of an anxious place. Maybe in our romantic, it's more from an, uh, an avoidant place, right? Or a fearful avoidant place, to be specific. So I like to talk about that because I do think it's a bit of a dangerous area that we're in in this like whole social media pop psychology landscape where things get very black and white it's not that black and white right so even the language that john and i use in our book will say like i tend to lean more avoidant right um and then a lot of times i'll lean secure right it just depends on what the dynamic is what's coming up for me what's been triggered for me so i put that out there because i don't want anybody in here to feel like well i am this and this is my box and i'm going to be in this box forever because that's not helpful for any of us to to believe about ourselves right um, so yes, John tends to lean more anxious. I tend to lean more avoidant in our kind of dynamic. Yeah. So some examples of how, uh, let's say, avoidance show up in relationships. And you could give extreme examples, right? It doesn't have to be you, but let's give them some examples how if you're avoidant, how do you how does that ripple in a relationship? Right. So our attachment styles tend to come up when we are activated, right? So right. when our, um, you know, attachment wound is activated in some way. So our fear of abandonment, our fear of rejection, right? So when that wounding is activated for me, which a lot of times it's not even conscious in the moment that it's been activated, right? The behaviors for me that tend to show up are a need for space. Um, I tend to kind of detach myself emotionally and kind of draw myself inward, right? It's a protective kind of place to be. Um, I tend to detach. This is not everybody that, that leans avoidant, but I know for me, I like to call it like dissociating. I tend to kind of like leave my body and go up into my head. When I'm in a conflict, I tend to get very like um, all heady, like and the words go like, fuck this, fuck this relationship. This is ridiculous. I'm not in Like, I don't want to be in this. This is why this person doesn't get me. This is why. Right. And I get very into this headspace again, an easy way for me to detach, get out of like feeling vulnerable. Right. Um, and, and convince myself in my mind um, that this relationship is not the right relationship. Right. Um, so many people who struggle with more of an avoidant attachment can relate to kind of what I'm saying. And then anxious. Yeah. Anxious would be, um, I need affirmation. I need you to tell me you're still attracted to me. Um, are we okay? You know, can yeah. we talk about this? So it's the physically kind of coming in, right? Yeah. Um, constantly, um, you know, holding on to her leg, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, what's interesting, and this is what's tricky, the anxious and the avoidant, and you know, these examples we're giving you are extreme, right? I'm, I mean, yeah. Vanessa and I've been working a lot on ourselves to try to be more securely attached, but, um, What's interesting and what's also tricky is that the anxious and the avoidant kind of, you know, they're attracted to each other at the same time, they're the reasons that activate, right? So that's why they're attracted her to her being other. avoidant makes me more anxious 
me being more anxious makes her want to run more right so that's what's hard yeah you know so being aware of your attachment style which stems from childhood and then working towards secure so if i feel like um i'm activated anxiously and i need her to um um tell me that she is still attracted to me or whatever i need um of course i could express it but also part of it is is my own self-soothing right I need to talk myself off the ledge, so to speak, not put that on her, mm-hmm. right? So instead of demanding her to love me or write me love letters or whatever, um, some of that is my own responsibility for as, myself. Right? As is the avoidance, right? Yeah, and so for her, instead of leaving the city, yeah. um, she needs to stay in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, just like anything in this book, right? So much of this is like, how, what is mine? How much of this is mine to own and how much of this is actually something to put out there on my partner right and i think for me with my avoidance i know my go-to right and i I'm, i know i put this in the book but something that i've realized is that we all need to through practice create toolkits toolboxes that we can rely on when these different things get activated right so if we're talking attachment styles what I have come to realize, right, is what I just shared. I cut myself off. I tend to go into my head. I leave my body. I dissociate, right? So if John and I are in some kind of conflict or some kind of heated conversation, I'm aware that that's my go-to. So because I've done the work to be like, oh, that's happening again, I'm watching myself go there. What do I do? I reach for my toolkit to keep myself present, to keep myself in my body, to keep myself in that conflict, right? And that toolkit's going to look different for everybody based on what you need in that moment. And if you try something and it doesn't work, whatever, fine, throw it out, try something new, right? But we all need to kind of have our go-to things where it's like, no, what I want in my attachment, in my partnership, is to be able to sit in this conflict with you and stay attached and stay present with you. I don't want to be in a dynamic where I dissociate and I leave. That's not what I'm wanting for. That's not what I'm, I'm working towards being in a partnership, right? And so what do I need to do to swim closer to the kind of partner that I want to be? that's where I get that toolkit from, right? And so I think for any of this stuff, but in this instance, attachment styles, depending on what it is that you're swimming towards, you need to work on finding what those tools are for you so that your nerve, because it is, it's nervous system activation, can help your nervous system soothe and stay online, right? So that you can continue to swim towards what it is you want. Now, in saying that, it's important that you have somebody who has the capacity sitting across from you right and is not adding fuel to the fire of you feeling unsafe whether whether anxious or avoidant um because that's obviously important right and because i have found that in john i'm able to go get out of your head stay in your body this is important right so that's a big caveat obviously the point of the uh, anxious attachment i mean the point of attachment styles and love languages is just um they're important pieces of relationships and they just shouldn't be ignored, you know? So tip of the iceberg that we gave you too. I I feel like on dating sites, on your profile, instead of your, your hobbies or, you know, yeah, those are important, but I think on our our profiles, I should say, Hey, here's my avoidant. Yes. And here's my (laughs) love language. I mean, you could do so much more than with that than, you know, the fact that you like hiking, right? I mean, that's great. But anyway, um, I like to hike and dissociate during conflict. What about you? Yeah. As Vanessa drinks this glass of water, because I don't want her pee to be a uh, Gatorade. So um, weird. It's not weird. It's weird. It's just part of life. It's weird. We're all dehydrated. <laughs> hey, um, I wanted to end with something that's kind of different and unique. Um, I wouldn't say unique, but I wanted to skip 
to, to the end, we have a, a section, um, and, and I, don't, I don't remember why we wrote this. Maybe it was my idea, I don't remember, but we wrote a letter to our exes. And uh, the, the reason why I thought it was important is, you know, with love, especially if the relationship was uh, toxic or rocky, um, we, we leave with a lot of anger and resentment. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that uh, even though we've been hurt, I think that um, to have our own closure and, and, and also for us to not bring residue into other relationships, um, I'm, I, I want to be careful in saying this because I know there's been people in abusive relationships and, and, and I get all that, but uh, um, in, the, in the way that you know how the best with wherever you're at, to not want to rip out the chapters mm -hmm. of your previous relationships um don't because a lot of people are like fuck that guy i wish it never happened yeah or it's not a part of my and then it's lying with shame and guilt and uh lots of pain um and, and it you know it, it has a hold over you right one of the things that i am kind of jealous of is um vanessa's college uh boyfriend her ex that was the big one they still keep in touch and they're still friendly. And I, I, I'm jealous of that because I wish that with some of my exes, you know, I mean, we don't have to hang out, but I, I wish that we could check in once in a while and be like, oh, I'm glad you're okay, mm -hmm. you know? Um, friends from a distant, right? Distance. And so um, I thought it was important at the end just to write a letter to our exes and what that would look like. Well, and I think the reason why we did this too is this is something we've actually had clients do in the past, right? right. Is like, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to send it. Clearly, we are. We're printing it in a book, so I'm sure they might, they may or may not read it. Um, but it can be really helpful sometimes. And what I will say is, when I prompt people to do this exercise in therapy, whether it's individual or couples, one of the things I say is that even if you are on the receiving end of a really shitty, abusive situation, because I have my own story around that, write the letter more about what you can still own. Right now, that can be a little hard to hear sometimes, but it's one of those things where, you know, if I hear somebody say, yeah, but they were a narcissist, my response to them as a therapist might be, okay, so why are you attracted to narcissists? Right? It's not to dismiss the pain, but there's always something that we can look at internally, right? And that's when we get out of victim mindset and we actually go into empowerment mindset, right? And so if you do this exercise, one of the things I would push you to is really keep it focused on self. Right, like right. not not own? not. Uh, hey, I'm I'm writing a this. I'm writing a letter of all the shit that you did right. wrong. Um, why you belong in hell? It's more of hey, here are my some some afterthoughts. Right after I have grown. Mm -hmm. Hey, so we're gonna read our letters, and then here's my um, challenge to you: if you choose to write one, mm -hmm. and of course you don't have to say names, bring it in to our um, book club next Monday, and you can read it. Mm. And there's something powerful about just not if it's thirty pages. Not if it's thirty pages, but <laughs> th there's something powerful. Keep it under three. <laughs> Yeah, there's something powerful about the announcement. There's something powerful about reading something where it's not just in your head, yeah. but you know, um, letting it go, right? Letting it out, letting it free. So here's Vanessa, and then I'll read mine, and then maybe we can hear uh, some of yours next week. Okay. I'll try to do this quick because I know they're a little meaty. I want to say first that I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasn't aware of my patterns. I wasn't aware of how my unconscious and your unconscious were locked in an unseen battle to heal wounds that could never be healed, not with each other. 
I'm sorry that I stewed in resentment rather than speaking up in a healthy and clear way. That I loved you for the potential of who I thought you could be rather than for who you were in the moment. That my unexamined attachment wounds caused me to withdraw and emotionally abandon you every time I was overwhelmed or afraid. That I wasn't aware of how I was loving with my past. That I wasn't able to communicate my needs in a way that you didn't, that didn't feel like I was nagging or mothering you. That I mothered you. That my codependency caused me to use emotions and words to try to manipulate and control in order to soothe my own anxieties. That my fear of rocking the boat was greater than my desire to be authentic and truthful about my feelings. That my abandonment wound ran so deep that it controlled my ability to be truly vulnerable with you and that in the end we could never truly be in it 100% because I just wasn't capable. I'm sorry if my inability made it feel unsafe for you to go there as well. Mm. I also want to say thank you. Thank you for loving me the best way that you knew how. Thank you for all of the laughs we shared and the amazing memories and experiences I now hold close. Thank you for helping me understand myself more fully and for being a part of my journey. Thank you for supporting me and encouraging me. And honestly, thank you for the conflict. It was more helpful for me than you will ever know. Please know that I fully own my part in the souring of the relationship. I will not slander your name or play the victim. I also will not take on more than my 50% of the responsibility as it is not mine to carry. And taking on more than my share would rob you of your ownership should you choose to hold it. I love you and I want the best and most amazing life possible for you. I hope that you have found, you find or have found a depth of love and acceptance that you never imagined possible. And I hope that you reflect back on our time together with some fondness. I hope that you know I loved you fiercely in the absolute best way that I could. Love, Vanessa. It's such a beautiful letter. Mm. Okay, one beat as I go into mine. And you know, as you're, as you're listening to us, also think about yours and your yeah. story, you know. A letter to my exes, John. Um, fuck off, I dodged the bullet. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what, that's not my letter. Here's my letter. Uh, these messages are scattered like puzzle pieces, unnamed, unidentified, and in no, no particular order. They are snippets of my feels and what I would say to my exes today if I could. To my first real relationship, I look back at our dance and feel nothing but gratitude. When you wanted to end it, I was sad, but it felt right. I remember playing Green Day's Good Riddance while driving my mom's champagne Cadillac and having a sense of acceptance and closure. When we ran into each other a decade later at the Al-Anon meeting and you confessed that you had kissed someone at a concert while we were together, I wasn't mad or hurt. It just made me realize that people drift and, and that three years is a long time. You were the first girlfriend who slept in my room, laying tracks for my parents to accept me dating non-Korean girls. Our love was innocent and genuine. I'm so grateful you were my relationship training wheels. And when I think about you, I only see the light in your smile. It's something unpredictable, but at the end, it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Oregon, your last email was crushing. It was extremely hurtful and confusing. I thought we were good, but then realized you're still not. I had no idea how much anger and resentment you still carry for what happened, especially after 10 years of radio silence. Then we finally sat down and you gave me the kind of goodbye hug that felt like things were closed for you. And you generally wanted the best for me. I guess it's fair. I've tried to put myself in your shoes. I could blame what happened on so many things, my wiring, codependency, addiction in my blood, being a child, 
and not having a sense of self. But at the end of the day, I was aggressive and dishonest with you. I'm sorry for hurting you the way I did in so many ways. If there was one thing I could go back and change in this life, it would be what happened between us. I hope you and your family are doing well and thriving. I always, I will always love you guys from a distance. Georgia, you were a soft sparrow I held with two hands. You stepped, then stepped on. You trusted me and I was careless and reckless with your heart. I didn't know I was going to end it the way I did. I'm sorry if I made you feel insecure and unlovable, or maybe you realized that you dodged a bullet. I remember you said to me once, you're not happy. And I remember being defensive, but you were right. I wasn't happy. And I wonder how much of that contributed to my drift with us. Thank you for being so kind and gentle with me. You made me feel like I hung the moon. Saying sorry doesn't change anything. So I just want you to know that you had a huge impact on my life and our collision was a reminder of what I needed to work on. Florida, this is the last one. <laughs> so Florida, I'm gonna focus on what we had, not on how things went down. You got me in a way no one else did. I always think about two kids ditching school and getting into things when I think about our relationship. It makes sense since we had a friendship base or maybe we were childhood friends in a past life. We built a fort and played hard, and I will always value that as well as our story and who I've become because of it. I have no idea where you're at today with me, but I hope there is no hate or resentment. I have zero on my end, only good thoughts and best wishes for your trajectory. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training, and it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.